When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, February 3rd, 2019, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman here on this Sunday in episode number 300. That's 300 featuring Mass Lives. Tom Westerholm is brought to you by betonline.ag. CLNS Media and BetOnline are offering you a 50% sign-on bonus if you use our code CLNS with your first deposit. Go to clnsmedia.com slash win. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-on bonus today with betonline.ag. And today's show is also brought to you by 10100. Want to buy tickets at an affordable price? Just log on to oneein100.co. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure you follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, CLNS Media, for more post-game stuff from the Celtics. Of course, more thoughts from the Garden Report, from everybody in terms of we have so much Celtics coverage at CLNS. Make sure you follow along with us at YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and CLNSmedia.com. But coming up next, Tom Westerholm. Welcome inside Celtics Beat, everybody. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman. He'll be back next week. He's in Atlanta with the BBZ, hanging out with the Super Bowl stuff. Uh, so hopefully safe travels back for Adam. He'll be back next week with more great things. And I actually kind of feel bad just because this has been such a whirlwind of a week uh, in terms of just NBA basketball news. And we're joined by Mass Live's Tom Westerholm. Tom, you know... Kind of a slow week, right? Like, this has been a pretty ordinary run-of-the-mill, you know, print a gamer, and we're all done here. This has been pretty mild in terms of news coverage, I think. Yeah, no, not a, not a whole lot to do on our end. We're just looking for things to uh, things to get us through through uh, February 7th. Not let unlike me, the Pelicans. Let, let, let me ask you a question, though. Like, this is, this is a legit question. Is the <laughs> drama that surrounds the NBA, like all this trade stuff, is this actually more fun and more appealing and more interesting than the games themselves? I mean, I'm sure some people think so. Uh, I don't like personally. I am pretty ready to get back to uh, like watching hoops tonight. Um, but you know, I mean, I think that it's definitely something that drives the casual fan. Certainly, um, I think that it's definitely something. And obviously, it's all very interesting stuff for everybody, casual and you know, hardcore alike. But I think it is something that definitely drives people who, um, you know, maybe maybe basketball is their second favorite sport and they, you know, sort of enjoy watching the Celtics on the side. Like for them, yeah, sure. I mean, this is this is high drama stuff. You know, this is the stuff that fills up your Twitter timeline. This is what you, you know, what, what you read on your on the train on the way to work or whatever it might be. So, I mean, I think it, it at the very very least, it's a, a great you know sort of industry for the NBA to capitalize on. Um, you know, in addition to the games. And, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I would say no, but I think it's definitely uh, 
I think there's definitely a lot of people for for whom this is this is more fun. This is like their their favorite time of the NBA calendar. It's unbelievable. It's this time of the summertime. Like there's just so much movement that happens in the NBA, and like rumors about movement and people just piling on. Like this is the Super Bowl week, right? That this yeah. is the biggest <laughs> game of the year for the most important you know American sport of the year. At least that's what we're told, right? Yeah. All I've heard about all week is more about where is Anthony Davis playing. The Knicks traded Chris Saps Porzingis. Kyrie says a couple of things. Like, it's this week has been more about what the hell is going on in the NBA more than anything else Super Bowl related. Like, the only thing that I can remember vividly from this, you know, group of in- interviews during Super Bowl week is Guillermo from the Jimmy Kimmel show going on and making people laugh all over the place. Like, that's the most memorable NFL storyline <laughs> versus. Anthony Davis wants wants to go somewhere. Chris Epps, Porzingis gets shipped to Dallas. Kyrie's being weird. You know, where's LeBron comes back. Like, this has been such a ridiculous week of basketball. It's overshadowed the friggin' Super Bowl, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, free idea for anybody down there in Atlanta. Like, uh, start asking uh, start asking these guys about the Anthony Davis rumors. See if, uh, see if we can get some. Uh... <laughs> that's actually, no, I mean, that's think... actually not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> I, I would read it. Um, you know, I think the uh, – I'll be curious to see how sustainable it is. I mean, I think, you know, all of these big market teams uh, are obviously, like, very interested in all of these super high-level interest guys. You know, if, if it all gets settled down this summer, you know, if Anthony Davis ends up in, in L.A. or Boston or New York or wherever, um, if you know, if Kyrie ends up wherever, you know, if these guys are sort of in places where – you know, things get sort of settled, I, you know, I, I will be curious if this, if this is sort of an apex of it because, you know, because those guys will be settled and, you know, Giannis might be the next logical one, but he seems pretty happy and Milwaukee's just rolling. So, you know, this, this might be, at least for now, the pinnacle of a lot of it because people have been building up the Anthony Davis stuff for a long time and it's just now sort of hitting. So I, I do think that this is you know, that there's a chance that this is as loud as it gets, at least for a few years here. Um, but also, you know, it's the NBA, and it always, it never ceases to sort of shock. So I think, uh, you know, don't want to rule anything out. But but people have been building up to this Anthony Davis situation for a long time. Full disclosure for everybody listening, we're taping this on a Friday before the Sunday. <laughs> so which is, which is great, because actually Tom and I were DMing and talking about, like, okay, we're going to do this. I got you know we have this Kyrie you know uh, you know media op before you know early Friday morning like let's do it after that and you know I obviously was like yeah it's smart it's really smart but I didn't think he would come out and make news like he did on Friday where he basically lit the internet on fire and you had different media outlets all over the place taking little snippets of his conversation with the media and running with it like it was just like the most important thing of the day and you had so much. I, I just want to say, like, misinformation. Like, the boy, people are misleading it. Because when you go back and listen to Kyrie's press conference, like, I, you end up coming – like, I don't know about you, Tom. I come away with, like, Kyrie is sick and tired of all this media conjecture, all this BS, all you guys, stu- like, stirring up all this trouble. Meanwhile, like, I'm trying to focus on basketball, focus on getting my team right because we're not playing the way we should be. And now the entire time that we're, I have all this media availability – I have to talk to you guys about what I might be doing in a couple of months instead of focusing on what's the task in front of us. Like, people are trying to be like, oh, Kyrie, he's so noncommittal. He said, ask me July 1st. That's what I'm going to do. And yet, like, if you watch the whole thing, the tone of the entire press conference I thought was, you know, pretty mild, to be, to, to be frank. 
Yeah, you know, I think so. A few things on this. I do think that the you know, ask me on July first. The way that he said that, I, I did think that it was not. I, it didn't sound quite the way that a lot of people took it. With you know, people took it as like, oh, he's like he's decommitting from you know, resigning with Boston. And like, I didn't necessarily take it that way, especially once you, you know, once once you saw it, it was just like he said it like very dismissive, just like. He was trying to like shake, like shoo that question away. Sort of was kind of what I took from that. But I will say, you know, for all of his talk about, you know, the the media has been doing this, the media has been doing that. I mean, he hasn't been asked about this stuff since the first time he was in New York um, this season, and that was back in October. And that was because he made this preseason proclamation. It would have been it would have been really repetitive and you know sort of annoying to be like asking him all the time, like, Kyrie, are you still uh, are you still thinking this way? Are you still thinking this way? And so he, so it has been quite some time since he's been asked this stuff and he could have made it even longer until the next time that he was asked this stuff. If he had said something along the lines of, you know, my, my plans haven't really shifted, you know, I'm still, you know, we're trying to work through this season. I, you know, I don't want to like say anything for sure yet, but you know, I'm still planning on what I said before the preseason and he didn't do that. So, you know, I think that there's part of the reason you, you talked about our conversation um, and, and how, uh, you know, we, we talked about waiting until after he said that, uh, after he did his, uh, his, his press conference. And honestly, like, I would have been very surprised if he didn't say – I would have been surprised if he did sort of shut everything down because, you know, that's not really the way that he operates um, in these sort of scrums. He, he's never he, – he's not really the type of guy to just, like, say the thing that everybody wants to hear. And, you know, and that, you know, is, is often a good thing. You know, he's – he's his own person. He's thinking his own way. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good to that, but also I would have been surprised if he had just come to the media and been like, you know, people ask him the question and he gives them exactly what they want to hear. Like that doesn't super line up with his personality, at least, you know, in, in, in my experience covering him. Right. I, I'm not really shocked that he didn't come out and say like, Hey, like I'm going to commit to the Boston Celtics in 2019 and beyond. Uh-huh. It doesn't shock me yeah. that he hasn't said that, really. I mean, he did the whole thing before the season where he's like, if you plan on having me, I'd love to come back here. I see myself resigning here and you know, for the long term. He said it you know, on Friday. This is, uh, he says, quote, I still have confidence in Boston and what they can promise for the future, what we have in terms of our pieces. That's what, that, that's what excited me about a lot of things. At the beginning of the season was the opportunity to come into the season really just to be what we plan on doing, set a goal and go after it, and then see what happens at the end of the season. That was the plan before. That's still the plan now. Obviously, Boston is still ahead of that race. That's just where it stands. So, like, take that little bunch, right, and just say, yeah. okay, when everybody is flipping out of ask me on July 1st and da 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 there's this giant paragraph where he talks about, hey, if we set out to do what we're supposed to do and we, you know, go to the NBA Finals or whatever and we're still, you know, clicking as a unit – and Danny commits to, you know, going out there and making this team better and improving it like he probably pitched Kyrie beforehand, then there's going to be no problem here. Like, this is the one thing that, I, that that is getting me absolutely crazy. And, like, I think that this past week has been one of the dumbest weeks in fan reaction history. Like, I really – like, the, the, the amount of stupidity that has gone on I think is insane. And I also think it shows you how much, like, Clutch controls the media narrative so much. Like, I, I don't know about you, Tom, but for the past week – it has been easier to find for me, easier to spot the people that have Clutch as one of their sources. Like, it's just because people are like, oh, Anthony Davis is only going to the Lakers, right? Like, this is the only thing that matters, the only thing that's going to happen. And meanwhile, 
everybody that's probably a Celtics fan or has a brain is like, well, wait a minute. Why would you trade Anthony Davis to a team that can't offer you the best package? I'm not trying to say this from a Boston perspective, but before the you know the, the Knicks traded Chris Apps Porzingis, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to wait until the summer when I know what pick the Knicks have, and then we can somehow convince them to put you know Porzingis and maybe Kevin Knox, maybe that pick into a trade for Anthony Davis. Like, why would you trade Anthony Davis before the that stuff start before the lottery is is set? Like, they just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And here we are going with Kyrie. Like, people are just making grand proclamations. But when you really sit here and analyze it, you know, it, it looks still to me that Boston's still kind of in the lead spot. And if they do what they're supposed to do, they're going to have Irving in the uniform next year. I, I don't understand why people are getting crazy. No, I think that's the right read. I think that, you know, I, I, I think that it's reasonable to say that there is a chance the Celtics don't re-sign Kyrie. I think that you know, saying that, okay, well, him giving a preseason proclamation that he's planning to re-sign doesn't mean that he is for sure going to re-sign. I think that's reasonable. I think you can say all of those things. And I think you can also say, okay, but, like, the Celtics are, are probably in the lead here. I mean, and I think that, you know, even aside from him saying that, because obviously, you know, what else is he going to say? But, I mean, just w- when you look at the situation, obviously if the Celtics trade for Anthony Davis, I think that – is the type of thing that would make Kyrie really want to stay. And, you know, having Kyrie there might be the type of thing that makes Anthony Davis want to stay. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of leaks and a lot of rumors that counteract that because, you know, there's other people who want Anthony Davis elsewhere. So, um, and, you know, and I think, you know, Anthony Davis might be one of them for now. You know, I think that's worth, um, worth considering as well. But, yeah, I mean, this is, I think that, there is being there's going to be a lot made of the fact because Kyrie was considered to be certain to be going to Boston, at least from sort of a national perspective. Um, I think there's going to be a lot made of the fact that, you know, he didn't come out and just completely say it in his press conference. But I, I do think that the, the easy read sort of the, the correct read on the situation right now is that he's annoyed with the media. He's annoyed with all these rumors and he is um, still probably, you know, the Celtics are in the lead. They they still have as good a chance as anyone, and probably better chance than anyone of of re-signing him. And all they have to do is sort of give him enough confidence in uh, in, in their situation to make him want to stay. And I think also, you know, he's he's probably also leaving himself some wiggle room just on the off chance that the Celtics don't pony up the full five years. Yes, yes. Here know, we go. Max. This is. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up. I I kind of teased this particular show early on Friday with uh, there's a quote from a Boston superstar made earlier this year that kind of helps explain this, and you kind of led me into it, all right? Pedro Martinez went on the Rich Eisen show earlier this year and talked about how he regretted telling the Red Sox that he would resign with them in the offseason or, like, something to that, like, oh, I I love Boston, I want to be here, all this stuff, and then they came back in the summer and lowballed him, right? Yeah. And then he ended up going to, I think, New York first and then Philadelphia second. He went to the Mets and then the Phillies later on. Like He was like, I wish I didn't do that. I, again, I loved Boston. I loved being there. I wanted to be there. But to have them come at me with the, the low ball offer, that wasn't even the ballpark. He's like, the Yankees offered me more money than the Red Sox. Did if that would, if you want to you know, lean on something for a second and chew on something for a second. But like, <laughs> there's a reason why Kyrie's not going to come out and say, like, okay, you know, like I'm totally committed to the to the, the Celtics for for you know the, I'm going to sign when it when it comes time to it. He does lose a little bit of leverage, and like I know he's going to get a full max from everybody basically. But you know there is this little small thing that it maybe he if he says it right away, 
maybe you know Boston tries to you know take some money off the table. He's gonna eventually end up getting the full max anyway, but he doesn't want to deal with like the riffraff in between. I think I don't want. I'm, I'm not trying to put th- anything in Kyrie's mouth, but I do think that qu- that Pedro quote kind of sums this up a little nicely. Yeah, and I, you know, like you, I don't know for sure that that's what Kyrie's thinking, but I think that if you know it comes, he does end up signing this summer, and he says something along the lines of like, yeah, like I, you know, or you know, if his agent or somebody says something along the lines of, you know, we wanted to make sure that Kyrie got all the money he was due, I think that's you know that's perfectly reasonable, and you know, it's probably one of the reasons why, um, you know, maybe the the preseason proclamation he made wasn't maybe the best move, even if he did want to stay in Boston, even if he did want everybody to, you know, sort of get off his back about it for at least for a few months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a real problem that a lot of high, high level athletes run into is, you know, you want to, you want to keep everybody happy. You want to keep the narrative positive for you, but also you have to do, you know, like Kyrie said, like a hundred times today, you have to do what's best for you. And um, you know, that that includes making sure that you have enough leverage when you become an unrestricted free agent this summer. You put it out on Twitter earlier on uh, Friday that you were listening to Woj on some podcast. You said that there's a lot of wishful thinking out there when it comes to Kyrie. And I kind of agree with that. And I just want to add on this whole, like, he goes to the Knicks thing, right? So w- let's get this straight. Kyrie is going to go to New York, a place where they just had their best – Young stars since Pat Ewing in the early the early nineties late eighties right they just literally kicked him out the door try to kind of smear it a little bit as they kicked it. like because I I don't know if you believe this thing uh, like I do but I I don't think that all of a sudden in two minutes KP went from being mad in a meeting to being on the Dallas Mavericks it just feels like that's a little misleading but he's gonna so Kyrie's gonna go join a franchise that just kicked their best young player off the team. Since the late '80s, early '90s, I just don't see. You know, Kyrie mentioned when he when he was you know in Boston, he was looking for a team that can help him grow, a stable front office, you know, things that make up good culture. The Knicks haven't had any of that for the past like 20 years. I I, I yeah. just have a hard time believing Kyrie's going to bolt in New York just because Durant's there. Yeah, I, I think you can you can look at that a few different ways. I think that um, you know, obviously the Porzingis deal that they're you know trying to make room there. And I think that there's been enough rumblings um, from Porzingis over the past few years that the that the Knicks very well might have sort of had like a few you know potential deals in their back pocket that they were willing to go to, and then obviously that was probably why that came together so quickly after that meeting. Um, I personally think that the Knicks actually could be in a really good situation here. So I'm not sure I entirely agree with you, um, even though, you know, the concerns about the, uh, about the stability of the front office are obviously valid, but I mean, this, they really could be in a great situation uh, in the next year or two. I mean, obviously if they get KD and then they have all that cap space and then they also have this pick. So then they have, you know, multiple picks now from Dallas that could also be, you know, either used or, or used in trades or whatever it might be. I mean, they could put together a pretty compelling, uh, you know, a pretty compelling situation. And I still believe that if they win the, you know, the, the draft lottery and if they have a chance to draft Zion, I mean, I think that honestly might top any package, you know, for Anthony Davis of any team in the league and including the Celtics. I think Zion is the type of player who can, you know, help, help save a franchise. Um, you know, if you're trying to, prevent the franchise from being moved or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think that there's a lot to like in New York's situation, but again, if you just kind of come back to like, like what's the easiest route for him to being on a championship contender, that is not 
New York. That is pretty clearly Boston because they have all these pieces in place anyway. And there's a lot less sort of speculation about like, okay, like how many moves they have to make to become a contender. Whereas the Knicks right now, they have just a million things. They have a lot of room. They have a lot of promise, but you know, they have to grow into all of that. Whereas the Celtics are pretty much already there. And then if they trade for Davis, you know, that's kind of, kind of the be all and end all at this point. Quick break from Tom and Tide. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. We have another huge week across the NBA coming up. Some very exciting matchups, and there's only one place to get in all the action, and that's betonline.ag. Sports, casino, virtual casino, you name it, betonline.ag is CLNS's preferred sportsbook online. Use the promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50. Go to betonline.ag, your sportsbook experts, okay? Now, look, the big game is coming up later today, okay? Let's be honest about this. There's money to be had on this game. Patriots versus Rams. And right now, I'm betonline.ag. It's Patriots minus two and a half. Let me tell you, let's give me some free advice here. I think the Patriots are going to win this game. Uh, minus two and a half. I like that in terms of the Patriots. Grab that, okay? But not only that. I got some other ways for you to make money. And it's just Patriots related because I know a lot of people that listen to the show are Patriots fans. All right. I got an idea for you. Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Plus 2,000 for James White. Plus 1,200 for, for Sonny Michelle. Can't you see one of those guys going off in this game? You know, Sonny Michelle, 100, carry, 100 yards for two touchdowns. Or James White, 13 catches, a touchdown for a buck 17. Something like that. I can see either of those scenarios happening. Those are great value picks. Get some free money today by putting some money on those two props if you're looking to, okay? So go to clnsmedia.com slash win. Again, you want to go to clnsmedia.com slash win because CLS Media and BetOnline are offering you a 50% sign-up bonus. If you use our code, that promo code is clns 50 for your 50% sign-on bonus today. That's betonline.com. AG. Yeah, let's move on to Davis. What do you make of all this stuff? It's it's hard to, you know, it's again, it's hard. You're again guessing here and, and grasping things, but you know, I I don't think he gets moved before you know the trade deadline. I think that's almost like impossible. It doesn't serve Dale Demps and the mm-hmm. New Orleans Pelicans the best by trading you know you know uh, Anthony Davis now um, you know for the Lakers' sake or for anybody like I like the the Bucks move of trading Middleton. And a bunch of other people to, to New Orleans doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Middleton's going to be a, a free agent this year. So it's like a rental of Middleton. It's not what you want to do. I think we learned that from the Knicks. You don't trade away like a like a, a young guy like that or, or a guy that's going to be an expiring contract potentially just for Anthony Davis. Like I don't think we're going to do that. But anyway, um, what what do you make of all this stuff? Like it's, it's, it's hard to figure out where Boston kind of lies in the pantheon of like offers that could be made. But – Obviously, you know, they can make a very compelling offer for Davis, something that at least New Orleans had to think about. Uh, do you think they can make the best offer? Or do you think there's a better offer out there from another team? I think they can make the best offer, um, presuming that the Knicks don't get the number one pick in the draft. Um, and, you know, I think even – and then I think the other thing to consider is not only can they make the best offer, they can make the best offer with probably the most confidence of any team, not the Lakers, um, because – I still do think that a lot of this stuff that's coming out right now is basically noise from clutch sports. Like you were talking about earlier. I think that 
um, you know, the, especially the stuff that's just like, you know, he will not even consider re-signing with the Celtics. Like, I, I think that at, like after a year, especially a year playing with Kyrie Irving, who's his buddy, and, you know, a year being a championship contender, because, I mean, he's never been a championship contender before, Davis. So um, I think that that would, would, would make a difference as well. So, um, you know, the Celtics can offer a big package and just be confident in the fact that, you know, th- that they – that they might at least be able to put themselves in position to potentially resign him the next summer. And that's more than a lot of teams can say, you know, I think that, um, you know, that there's obviously other teams out there that would probably be willing to give, that would have appealing packages that they could, you know, try to try to put out there. But I, you know, they're a lot less likely, um, you know, to, to put those out there if they don't think that they're going to be able to retain Davis. So, I think that that combination of things gives the Celtics a real advantage. Um, and, you know, like you said, they're just hoping that he gets through the deadline because if, um, you know, the, they can't make a deal, they can't make a deal before the summer. So my my read on it is that the Celtics are in a good position to get him and then you're just gambling. Um, and, you know, the payoff could be great. The payoff could be really costly. And that's the price of doing business in the NBA. I'm assuming you think Tatum should be on the table, you know, at, at some point if it gets that far, correct? Yes, I do. I do. And I think that that's sort of the trump card that the Celtics have to play, you know, at this point is like, yeah, I mean, I think that they can build a better package than the Lakers without Tatum. But I think if you're the Pelicans, you can pretty reasonably leverage the Lakers into getting Tatum. Like the Celtics aren't going to – you could convince the Celtics probably – that you would take the Lakers offer to get Tatum on the table um, without, without it sounding like a stretch, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I think when I come down to it, I have to have one of the Jays stay in Boston, whether it's, you know, Tatum or Brown, I have to keep one of them. And then the only thing I'm, I'm looking for potentially, if I'm Danny, like I, I have a hard time trading away Marcus Smart. Maybe that's just because I love Marcus Smart so much, and I've been <laughs> yeah. standing for him ever since he was drafted, and now his three-point shot has come around. I'd like to see how this looks. But, uh, like, I, I don't know. Smart means so much to the culture of the team that, like, okay, maybe if, you know, if you want to throw – if it's going to be Brown in Smart, okay, maybe I can bite on that, and we then the Celtics keep Tatum, and I think I'll be – you know, I'll talk I'll, – I'll cry over it, no doubt, because I do love Marcus Smart <laughs> so much. Um, but if Tatum's on the table, I don't think I could put Smart on there. I'd be like, look, Tatum's the best player of anybody you're going to get, you know, offered here. Uh, Smart is pretty pivotal to our future success. I think uh, I think Tatum is going to be enough for you to kind of build around here. What does your best package look like in your point of view, Tom? So obviously it depends on a few things. I think that if Davis like kind of put it out there that he was willing to re-sign with Boston, or if something's got that, um, or or if that sort of came out before. The deal, I think that you might have to, you know, you might have to consider bumping the package up. I mean, Anthony Davis is worth trading Jalen and Tatum if you know that you're going to be able to keep him. And that's that's a huge risk to make. But, I, you know, I think that the Celtics can probably, like you said, they can probably get away with just dealing one of them. Um, and I think I actually don't think it's ridiculous at all to want to hang on to Smart who is basically the same age, you know, a year younger, a um, year or two younger than, than Kyrie and AD and, you know, the guys that you would be building around, you know, that having, and he's also under contract on what looks like it's going to be an extremely reasonable contract for three years after this one. So, I mean, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's actually not at all a ridiculous take. Be like Marcus Smart is a, you know, it definitely a valuable part. 
Um, so, I mean, I think that you can, you know, if you can do it without getting smart in there, obviously they have other contracts that, that could be moved and you would have to sort of feel out, um, you know, how, how the Pelicans would, would feel about, you know, the, the Horfords or the Haywards or whoever it might be. Um, and, you know, I think then you sort of make it work with picks um, from there. Uh, you know, I think the complicated balancing act of any trade, especially one where the Celtics have so many assets to offer, is you know, if they trade Tatum, do they, how many of the picks can they hang on to? You know, can they hang on to, um, you know, can, can they give up maybe the Kings pick instead of the Grizzlies pick if they trade Tatum or, or whatever it might be? Um, you know, if they trade Jalen, you know, and they throw all the picks in, does that mean they get to keep Tatum? You know, I, I don't know how that's going to totally break down here. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm not Danny Ainge because it's going to be a really complicated situation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I think that you're right that both of the Jays probably will not be in the deal, assuming a deal happens. And, you know, from there, it kind of comes down to draft picks and, and the rest of the assets, I guess. Yeah, I think that Memphis pick's getting rolled over to next year. And from there, I, I, I could, again, you got to get in the crystal ball and figure out exactly, you know, when, you know, the timeline, you know, turns around for Memphis. Because if they're going to deal Conley and Gasol off, I mean, they could be bad for a while. And that pick could be yeah. really juicy, or they could, I mean, I don't know what their path is to be. You know, an upstart contender because that Western Conference is still going to be loaded. Um, it's just the way it is. And Memphis's, you know, climb out of the basement might be a little bit tougher, especially when you look at like a, a team that has been, you know, an utter, you know, dumpster fire for a while. Phoenix seems to be, look like they've, they've got at least a couple of players that can play. Like Aiton, as much as people want to talk about Luka Doncic, like I, I actually enjoy watching Aiton play too, and he's been pretty good. Yeah, Devin Booker's really good. Um, let's see what happens with Josh Jackson. I'm, I've always been kind of a Josh Jackson fan because I know he plays hard. Um, they're gonna make a couple of moves to make that team a little bit better too. So. That that Memphis pick is as much as you say it might have not looked like cool at the time. Like, oh, Jeff Green for only a first round pick from Memphis—that's ridiculous. <laughs> now it's like, wow, Jeff Green might be getting traded for like a top three draft pick, and that is a complete steal for Danny Ainge. Like once again, it's just again, it's the asset you know chats that they have that's really really interesting. And how deep does yeah. Danny go into that to really to get? Because again, we've we've all talked about it. We've interviewed people about it. I remember I had Gorman on in the summer. Like Anthony Davis is the player Danny Ainge covets the most, so uh, I think Danny would even like overpay almost. Again, he never overpays for anybody, but overpay almost to get Anthony Davis in this roster. And I think it'd be more important now with Kyrie being weird. Like, how is Kyrie yeah. or Davis going to leave a situation when they're both in the same team? They're both friends. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I, I think that it's worth you know. There's there's this idea that that Danny Ainge doesn't offer up much for you know stars, and that, I don't think that that's necessarily accurate. I think Danny doesn't offer up much for you know stars that he's not that focused on getting. You know, I, I don't know that he's, uh, I don't know that he was ever. I mean, you know, I can't say for certain, but I don't know that he was ever that focused on on like the the Butlers and the Paul Georges. I think that you know basically ever since Durant signed with the Warriors, they've been focused on you know the Anthony Davis summers, like they've been focused on, on trying to get him. And, um, you know, and, and when you look at the deal that the Celtics sent out for Kyrie, I mean, obviously at the time, everybody thought that was a crazy amount of value for Kyrie based on the market and based on, you know, his, his wish list of teams and everything else. So, um, you know, that, that, and that was obviously proven wrong. I mean, the Celtics pretty clearly got the, the better end of that deal, but at the time it was an unprotected first from a team that was expected to be in the lottery. You know, it was, it injured Isaiah Thomas, but I don't know that anybody, you know, outside the organization knew how injured he was. And then, 
you know, is Jay Crowder, who is a, a useful rotation player. And I mean, even, even, you know, Zizic has been kind of decent for, for Cleveland the last little bit here. So, I mean, that was a, that, that, that was a really hefty package to send out for Kyrie. And, you know, that's because Danny values Kyrie a lot. Like he thinks, he thinks Kyrie is really, really good. Um, obviously. So, you know, when you, when you start looking at Davis and you look at somebody who has been, you know, the team's like main focus as far as acquisitions go for several years now, I think that, yeah, he, if Danny has to overpay, I don't think he's going to think twice about overpaying for Anthony Davis, especially if he thinks that there's any chance that they can keep him. And if he thinks that there's any chance that Davis means you keep Kyrie. I mean, that, that, that's the other thing as well. Another quick break from the show with Tom Westerholm. I'm tell you today's show is brought to you by one in 100 and guys and girls. I had no clue what one in 100 was. So I had to look it up and here's what it is. It's really cool. Actually, I think it's an awesome idea. Let's say you want to go to Celtics Lakers in the garden, right? LeBron's coming back. Rondo's coming back. You have all these opportunities to boo every single Laker asset that could possibly be traded for Anthony Davis, right? But tickets to the secondary market are insane. Do you want a more affordable way to go to the game? Then give one in 100 a shot. All you got to do, log on to 101.co. That's one, O-N-E-I-N, then the number 100.co. Click the game you want to go to, buy a raffle ticket for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Okay, The price of the raffle ticket is just one one-hundredth of the price of what 101 paid for the ticket. I know it's a lot, trust me. Still confused? I get it. Let's say one of one hundred paid one thousand dollars for the pair. Your cost of raffle ticket is just ten bucks, right? That's that's insane value. Okay, one of one hundred people get to buy a raffle ticket. Only one of one hundred people. Okay, you have one in one hundred chance to win the tickets. Really that simple. It's the newest way to buy tickets. It's the coolest way to buy tickets. Again, for a significantly lower price. All right, score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of beer. Your first raffle ticket is free. After signing up, just log on to one in one hundred. Dot co. That's O N E I N one zero zero dot co. Feeling lucky? Give it a shot today. Yeah. Uh, I'll, let's finish up here with some actual basketball talk um, because you know they they do actually play a sport. It's not just like roster movement and player movement. There actually are games to be played. And one of the things recently I've been really encouraged about. Um, I think a lot of people are really encouraged about besides the Marcus Smart three point shooting, which has been just an awesome revelation. But Jalen Brown finding his confidence again has been really great. And I've said this a couple of times about Jalen just in general. Like, first off, his shot is way better than everybody gives it credit for. The the early part of the year where he was just struggling, it was obviously tied to this hand injury. But one thing I love with Jalen, and I will continue to say it, if he really reaches his potential, like I, I think he can, he is just such a nightmare in transition, like just a complete nightmare. Because of how strong he is and if his handle comes really around and how fast he is, athletic he is, he, like, he's almost like unstoppable for a, a guy that size. And I, I, when this team gets on the break, he's the first guy I look for in terms of like where is he on the basketball floor because more likely than not, Jalen is going to find a way into the rack. And if you get him the ball with a full head of steam, he's really tough to t- stop in that regard. But Jalen's been, I don't know, the past – Two months, really past month, but I'll go two just because it's it's been a gradual step um, where he his game has turned around you know tremendously and you can see sort of his confidence grow back and as somebody who's looking at you know maybe a potential deal for Anthony Davis him turning his life around and getting his, his act together has been a real nice uh, real nice storyline for the Celtics the past couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean you know you talk about him getting to the rim, you know he's been finishing better, he's been uh, obviously the three point percentage has just skyrocketed over the last little while. I think last time I looked he was shooting something like like 45% in his last like five games yeah. or something like that. I mean, he's been, he's been, he's just been lights out. And I mean, 
the Celtics, obviously, when, when he went to the bench, I think that, that there was like some real, you know, concern. Um, you know, I, I don't know about the frame, about like organizationally, but I think just kind of around the team, there was like some real concern about, you know, what that meant for him, like about, you know, has his development sort of, you know, sort of paused. And I, I obviously, you know, I, I think it might have started off as a confidence thing. And then, you know, because he, he struggled before his hand injury. He wasn't, he wasn't sharp to start the year at all. And then obviously he, you know, he had that bad fall. He hurt his hand there. You know, he told me that he had that pad on his hand that, um, you know, that, that he had like all wrapped up, which, I mean, if you can imagine holding a basketball with, with a pad on the bottom of your palm, like that's just not a comfortable way to shoot a, you know, shoot a three pointer. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's had like sort of a lot of things at the start of the year. You know, he had the new role, he had all these new players that, that were trying to work themselves into the, into the system. And, you know, I think after the last game, he said, um, you know, this, this is like a, a similar team in terms of personnel, but it's a completely different team because of the people they've had to bring in. And I think he felt, you know, he and Rozier probably felt the brunt of that more than anybody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good to see just, you know, for, for, for his sake that over the last, you know, month or whatever it might be that, you know, he is getting back to the rim. He's, he's getting comfortable in that sort of mid range sort of post up area where he does some really good work. And then, yeah, I mean, as a three point shooter, if he's hitting threes, the Celtics offense is just completely different because, you know, he spaces things out so much better for everybody when he's doing that. And he's got just that lightning quick first step. Like he can get to the rim. I mean, he's like, like you said, like a fully realized Jalen Brown is is just a a really, really impressive player. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of getting to the, I'm not going to do super hot take here, but I do think (laughs) a lot of the Boston Celtics future success this season, that goes into the postseason kind of falls on his shoulders a little bit. Um, and I hate to do that to a guy like that, but, like, I, it's just got to a point where I just – I don't know what Gordon's bringing anymore. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, gradually he gains more confidence and be, becomes more comfortable on the floor. That's what I'm hoping for, but I can't rely on that, right? Just like the Knicks can't rely on cap space to, re, to bring two guys to New York, <laughs> right? I just can't rely on that. I have to see – I have to rely on something concrete and Jalen turning it around – I think is a monumental thing for Boston as they start to kind of climb back into the you know upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Sadly, and I, I say this like really, really sincerely because I know some people will be like, oh, whatever. look, no, I am actually like kind of heartbroken that that Victor Lodipo is gone for the season. I love watching him play. I love watching Indiana play. They have a lot of fun players, but unfortunately, they are just going to fall to the wayside here in the Eastern Conference. You know, Boston has always had Philly's number. Um, again, prior to this Knicks game, Boston right now 32-19. They are one game back in the loss column of the 76ers, three back at Toronto, who's kind of scuffling a little bit, and it looks like Milwaukee's going to run away. This is going to be the number one seed. Um, Boston getting up into that 2-3 spot is huge for home court issues, one. But, like, you look at some of these 4-5 matchups, and even Brooklyn, who can be kind of pesky, like you would, if you were a boss, you'd prefer them to not play somebody like decently good in that first round, so you could maybe rest guys and get guys ready for a much tougher second and third round. Jalen becoming an offensive, not force, but a reliable offensive weapon for the Celtics can make this transition to the three spot, the two spot easier, and then ultimately carry over to the playoffs. Again, not putting everything on Jalen, but his recent you know development is huge for their future. I think, Tom. Yeah, and I, I would add Terry Rozier to that as well. I mean, he's he's been, you know, obviously he's been he's had a couple of games where he started and he played well. And obviously, I mean, I think we can all agree pretty much at this point that for whatever reason, starting is 
just a, a huge difference maker for him. But even, you know, e- even before that, I mean, I, th- I felt like his defensive energy was really, really high, um, you know, in the games coming off the bench. And the whole point of this team was supposed to be that their bench would just run opposing benches off the floor, you know, and their starters would also be very strong. And that hasn't really been the case so far this season. And if that starts to be the case, then I think that we might see this team sort of round into what we all expected them to be, which was, you know, a legit contender because, you know, they have the talent. And I think that I don't think anybody's really contested the fact that they have the talent. It's just a, just kind of a matter of, of, of putting it all together and making the pieces all fit and getting everybody comfortable in, in what really is sort of a, a unique role um, as a team. Tom Westerholm from Mass Live. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow all the stuff at Mass Live. Does a great job. Him and John Corrales crushing it um, for Mass Live and the Celtics beat. Uh, you know, filling in for your uh, former coworker Jay King, who's going to move on the Athletic. But you guys do a fantastic job. Uh, Tom, a quick prediction on the Super Bowl, my friend. <laughs> uh, my prediction is that it will be the first football game that I have watched all year. Wow. Um, so. Nice. Uh, Patriots? They're nice. in it, right? I like well, that. Uh, I think they might win. I like it. I like <laughs> your style. All right, that's Tom Westerholm. You guys, thanks a lot, Tom. appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for episode 300 of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage here, Boston Celtics. But before we go, a couple of things. One, shout out to Tom Westerholm of Mass Live. Guy rules. Make sure you take uh, you follow him both at Mass Live and on Twitter. Uh, but also... Big shout-out to Adam Coffin, who's traveling back from Atlanta, you know, covering the, the big game, Patriots and Rams. He'll be back next week, okay? Just a little quick pinch hit here from me. Also, quick shout-out to Nick, to Larry, to John, and make sure you guys follow us on CLNS Media and Subject Speed. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Stitcher if you listen there. Leave us a rating and review. Make sure you, you subscribe to our CLNS Media YouTube channel. Get a 20,000 of you, almost 20,000 of you that do. You guys are amazing. I can't believe you guys. Uh, so much, so much uh, thankful, thankfulness for me and everybody else at CLNS Media. And Adam is back next week. Hey, Gino, let's get out of here. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.